This podcast contains our own personal views not associated with any organisation. Coronial contains descriptions of death inquests that may be graphic and disturbing to some listeners. Discretion is advised. Welcome back everyone to Coronial. I'm Alice. I'm Georgie. I'm Emma. Today I'm going to be telling you about the inquest into the death of Nigel Harris on the 14th of June 2022 during the Fink Desert Race. Oh, this is a recent one. Yes, it is. This death was investigated by the coroner as it was an unexpected death and the coroner's opinion was that the risks of the race were not appropriately mitigated. So a bit of background. Was it a race, was it again? It's a car and motorbike race. Okay, cool. Thanks. Nigel was born in 1961, was in the Navy for 22 years and then became a customs officer before retiring to enjoy travelling and photography. Perfect. Hmm. The Fink Desert Race is a motorsport event where motorbikes, cars and off-road buggies race from about 15 kilometres south of Alice Springs to the remote community of Apachula, which is, used to be known as Fink, and then they go back again. So this is a distance of 226 kilometres each way. And in 2021, they raced the outbound leg on Saturday the 13th of June and then the return leg on Monday the 14th of June. The race travels through Crown Land, Aboriginal Land Trust Land, Road Reserve and private property. Interesting. Like private property as well. Because mm. it's super remote and they're all on dirt roads. So I think some Fair. of it just they happen to pass through people's properties. Yep. Fink Desert Race Incorporated, which I will now refer to as FDRI because that's a lot easier, are the organisers of the event, which needs approval from Motorcycling Australia and Motorsport Australia. Motorsport Australia used to be known as the Confederation of Australian Motorsport or CAMS. When an event is sanctioned, Motorsport Australia appoints officials to carry out various functions at the event. In February 2021, one of those officials wrote to Motorsport Australia requesting a permit to run the event, and this permit was granted in March. FDRI also sought approvals from other agencies, including Northern Territory Police, St John's Ambulance Australia, and the Department of Infrastructure Planning and Logistics. In 2021, there were 340 four-wheeled vehicles and 538 motorcycles racing, and approximately 14,000 spectators camped along the track. So on Saturday, the 12th of June, there was a prologue, which was a timed 8.3 kilometre lap to determine the starting positions for the race the next day. There is evidence that Nigel attended this in the afternoon because there were some photos on his camera. Before the start of the race on Sunday, two zero sweep cars each drove half of the track checking for obstacles or safety issues. Once they confirmed that the track was clear, the race could start. There was also a second sweep of the track between the four-wheel drives and the motorcycle competitions. So the, motorcycle, the four-wheel drives went first and then the motorcycles went yep. after them. Nigel attended the start of the race on Sunday and then went out to the 40-kilometre marker where he was taking photos and chatting to some other spectators. Some race competitors told a steward that there were spectators crossing the track and standing close on the outside of corners, but there was no evidence that anything was actually done about this. I by would the organisers. Recommend against it, but... Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> On Monday, Nigel was at the 35-kilometre sand dune. So the track here is about five metres wide with grass edges 
And the approach to the dune is gradual, but with a sharp drop and two bumps, which they call whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yep. On the other side. So after the drop, the track curves to the right. So I imagine there's a risk you're going to miss that curve, though. And plow straight through, or uh, not necessarily. Like they, they can sort of see it. This part of the track was signed by FDRI with pre-danger and danger signs to alert competitors to the upcoming hazards, so they can adjust their speed as they need to. There was also about twenty meters of bunting placed five meters back from each side of the track where this dune was to restrict spectator access and indicate that it was a dangerous area. So the 35-kilometre dune was well known as one of the more popular spots because of the good view of the dune and the whoops and the exciting action that can happen there with vehicles coming down there. and The yeah. whoopsies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the vehicles flying. Yes. Absolutely. Can understand. <laughs> there were about 100 to 200 spectators in the area of the, that jump and about 20 to 30 people in the immediate vicinity of Nigel. There were no officials monitoring spectator safety in this area and there were no instructions there about safe distance and practices for the spectators. They were essentially left to their own devices. Yep. (laughs) Are you starting to see how badly this is going to go? I mean, yeah, you're painting a good picture. (laughs) Nigel was standing on the northwestern side of the dune after the drop in the whoops and where the track had started to curve to the right. He was beyond where the bunting ended, so he wasn't behind any bunting. There was no bunting sort of where he was. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, right. Because right. it had already ended. Yeah, so it's not like he was in front of the bunting. It was just Correct. that it didn't exist it where didn't he was standing. Was, yeah. yep. um, and he was close to the edge of the track. Oh, sorry, can I clarify? Was the bunting put up by the race organisers? Yes, it was. At 9.36am, a trophy truck, which is a highly modified two-wheel drive used for desert racing. Um, you're welcome to Google a picture of it. Sure. The vehicle approached the dune and slowed down accordingly. Witnesses said they were going at a reasonable speed for that part of the track and similar to what other competitors had been doing when considering that they were racing. After going over the crest of the dune, the truck hit the whoops and suffered a suspension failure. This meant that the driver had no control of the direction of the truck and it veered sideways. Cool. That's um, not ideal. No. While this was happening, Nigel continued to take photographs, seemingly oblivious to the danger of the out-of-control vehicle. Yeah, I can totally understand that. Like, if you're, like, focused on the viewfinder, mm. how easy it is to not understand your surrounds in yeah, terms of that danger. Yeah, and it's very quickly as well. True, but would those who were otherwise just watching rather than watching through a, you know, a view yeah. have been more aware? Yeah, possibly. And this was also, it seems, that the first sort of motorsport event he had gone to as well. Nigel was hit by the front driver's side wheel, which knocked him forwards before the truck ran him over. It continued for another 15 metres and hit another spectator who was injured but not... Run over? Not seriously harmed. When the truck came to a stop, Nigel was found underneath it. Oh, Oh. he was dragged. Mm. Oh. Everyone who's listening to this, I encourage you to go and look at the inquest document there are photos from a different view someone was standing behind nigel Mm -hmm. and was taking photos and you can sort of see the progression of events oh wow! obviously not up until the point where he gets hit yeah and there were some other witnesses who said that they 
sort of realised what was happening and moved out of the way, but it was really only luck that saved them. Yeah. 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 There's also some good photos in this inquest about how many people were actually around. Yeah, because that makes it look like he's the sole person there in that series. So the first photos were on page three and this one is on page 16. So you can see that it's out of control there. But there's heaps of other people around. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He's standing here. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Very, very lucky other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there are definitely a a fair amount of other people who are right next to him. He's not by himself on the side of the track. Could you imagine if you're asking those spectators to move back though? I don't know. Everyone's going to want to be up. Yes, because like, they want to see the action. Line of sight. Yeah. So, yeah. And especially yeah. if you're taking photos. I think he had a conversation with someone else who was also there taking photos that, you know, if you want to get the good shots, you kind of need to be in the dangerous zone. Spot. Yeah. Yeah. The spectator thing is something that. So, Group B rally used to be a thing. And that was essentially, it was just a category of rally racing in the 80s. But it ended up being banned because of a few major accidents in, like that included fatalities. Um, and it's because the spectators were so close to the edge of the track and, like, some of them were even in the middle of the road and then they would run out of the way when the car oh, came. Yes, I totally have memory of those kind. Of, well, I wasn't around in the 80s, but I have memories of those kinds of events of... Yeah, like you just look up footage of those and mm-hmm. it's just insane that yeah. risks that people are willing to take. For, yeah, spectator photos and stuff. With so many spectators around, there were a lot of people who were able to come to Nigel's aid, including a former paramedic. But unfortunately, Nigel was already deceased. Mm. St John's ambulance arrived first at 10am, followed by the Southern Traffic Operations members and additional police. Nigel's autopsy revealed that his cause of death was multiple blunt force injuries, including laceration of the heart, tearing of the pericardial sac, and other significant internal injuries. And they determined that it was likely that he died on impact. He would have gone quickly, at least. And, like, there was no paramedic intervention that would change that outcome anyway. Yeah, and so the paramedic, former paramedic who was there, was able to treat the other spectator. He was injured but survived. Right. The trophy truck was inspected after the accident and it was found that the left-hand lower rear axle trailing arm had fractured through 90% of its surface area. Yes, that one. Causing the rear wheels, which were what steered the vehicle, to turn it to the left. Oh, yeah, okay. So they, like, had no control. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Otherwise, the vehicle was in good condition with no other defects. I'm just thinking, can you imagine being the driver? That's a heavy hit they took. Yeah. In that race, there's a driver and a navigator. um, And the navigator was able to give evidence to police at the time, but was too traumatized to speak at the inquest. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because the navigator is going to feel so responsible that they didn't, like, I don't know, change what they said to the driver to to slow it down. But, like, again. It was a split second. They weren't going 100 kilometres an hour. And if you'd hit it at a slightly different angle, yeah. you know, it may not have broken the suspension or just like on that day, that was the day the suspension was going to go, no matter how mm-hmm. hard you'd hit it. It's not a good thing that someone died. Yeah, but it could have been so much worse. But also, again, were they aware or expecting people to be there yeah. in that vicinity as well? So, again, so many elements to yeah. all of these cases that had to have occurred for something to have this ending. Yeah. So, unfortunately, there was a history of spectator safety concerns at Mm. the Fink race. So, before the 2018 race, FDRI went to CAMS, Notice Boarding Body, 
to help in developing improved safety and procedures for the event. The Motorsport Safety Advisor for CAMS, Mr Bennett, attended the 2018 race and wrote a report with some recommendations. Did they follow any of them? <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> You're not filling me with hope here. No. They're only recommendations. <laughs> yep. um, so the issues he found. The number of spectators in the first 40 kilometres was far more than expected. There were no measures in place to prevent or limit access to the competition track. There was no fencing or other barriers to separate competitors from spectators. There were no officials allocated to be spectator marshals at any location. And the whole course lacked supervision in terms of spectator control. He did not think that, quote, we can continue to allow nothing to be done and that better oversight of spectators is a duty of care of the event. Absolutely. But like, yeah, so it basically was like, it should be a duty of care, but they yeah. basically have provided zero. zero. Okay. At which point they've gone and had a report commissioned because they're like, maybe we should consider this. Yes, we should consider it. Yeah. Again with the leg, but that makes no sense that you would just like yeah, would consider it and then not do anything. And 2018 as well. Yes. Just like breaks me that it's had to, that that is only that recent when mm. people are like, oh, Maybe we do owe a duty of care to the people that are here watching our event yeah. that presumably they want people out watching because that's going to get them... More sponsors, more money. More exposure. Yeah. So Mr. Bennett's recommendations were that there be a specific spectator safety team formed whose role would be ensuring spectators are effectively managed and controlled. And that's so difficult over such a vast distance. Yeah that pairs of roving officials be given lengths of the track to cover and patrol during the event, which would allow them to identify hotspots that needed closer management, that a formal exclusion zone be created along the entire course to keep spectators from the edge of the track by setting a minimum distance from the edge of the track on both sides, that this exclusion zone be well publicised prior to the event, confirmed by the course checker, set up crews and monitored by the spectator safety team. So, yeah, again, making sure... The people who are going to watch it are aware of that exclusion zone. This report was provided to the FDRI president on the 4th of October 2018. And as a bit of a side note, the, that president has actually kept that role since then. So he's been consistent throughout. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The president acknowledged the report and said that he would provide it to the race committee. But there was no evidence at inquest that that actually happened at that time. Mm. There was no evidence of any of these recommendations being implemented for the 2019 or 2021 races. Uh, there was no race in 2020 because of COVID. On the 24th of April 2019, the president said in an email about procedures for risk management, we don't have much of this at all. The procedures we have are pretty average. <laughs> okay, that's um, not what you want to hear. Yeah, and from the president of the association, clearly admitting that things aren't great. I think non-existent is the word you're looking for. <laughs> yes. On the same day, the vice president of the race committee emailed Risk Reliance for help with a risk assessment of the 2019 race, which hadn't yet happened. He said, we are severely lacking in the appropriate processes and documentation from a legal and basic level. <laughs> a copy of the 2018 Bennett report was sent to him on the 1st of May 2019. Risk Reliance prepared the 2019 Fink Desert Race Risk Assessment Report and it was provided to FDRI on the 20th of May 2019. 
the risk of death posed by the race to a competitor or spectator and multiple deaths was extreme. And the consequences of that from a legal and financial perspective would be severe. The risk of death to a spectator was deemed likely and the report recommended that immediate action be taken. I really struggle with the legal and financial consequences being like the emphasis of why they need to make this change. There was no evidence as to what, if any, actions were taken by FDRI to address this before the 2019 race in June. Yeah, I was going to say May seemed quite late for them to be considering for this particular event. The race committee then asked risk reliance for a risk audit of the 2019 race. The risk audit identified that spectators were situated on the outside of corners, which is dangerous, yep, and had access to the start and finish line when high-speed vehicles were approaching it. Goody. It was suggested that high-risk corners could be managed with bunting and signage and recommended that the organisers install signage and barricade tape in accordance with the FIA Rally Guidelines 2019, Section 4. What is FIA, sorry? Federation Internationale de l'Automobile. Oh, it's French. Yeah. This section of the rallying guidelines addresses spectator safety and states that spectator areas should be marked with green tape, closed on both sides to control spectators, and controlled by marshals. Red tape is used to define prohibited areas where spectators may be expected to congregate and is for any zone considered dangerous, for example, the outside of corners and landing after jumps, which is essentially where Nigel was. Yeah. The prohibited area no-go signs should be used to designate all other areas or sections prohibited to the public, and these areas should be marshaled. So essentially there should either be green tape, red tape, or no-go signs. But red tape was indicating you also shouldn't be here? So I think, sorry, the green tape is where you're allowed to be, but it's keeping you a distance away from the track. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Red is you're not allowed to be here at all. Yeah. And then if there's any other prohibited areas that they have no go signs. signs. Okay. Yeah. I would think that the red tape would blend into the red landscape. I guess they're trying to use some sort of marking system. No, I get it. I'm just like red. Couldn't it be? I know. And red is like, don't go. But like, it's just not a very good contrasting color. But I would have just assumed the red tape again would be similar. Like, oh, it's just barricading me from where I can be. Like, I, I feel like the distinction between the green and the red tape isn't necessarily super helpful. Because it's like... Yeah, you'd need to know what it meant. Yeah, I can just stand here because I'm now behind a bit of tape, which seems very similar to the purpose of the green tape. Mm. Unless there's actually people around telling you, no, you can't stand there. Yeah. The evidence at the inquest showed that this recommendation was not implemented for the 2021 or 2022 races. So the bunting that was in the area where Nigel was, was white. A short time after the 2019 race, someone who was part of the media contingent for that race sent a video to the Director of Motorsport and Commercial Operations at CAMS, which showed spectators standing dangerously close to the track. He said that he thought there would be an accident and that the speed at the finish line was risky. And so he obviously felt strongly enough about that, that he was willing to send a video yeah. in to say, look, this is not a problem at this event. That director forwarded the video to the CAMS safety team and a meeting on spectators was arranged. Also in June 2019, the 2018 Bennett report was recirculated in CAMS. The man who had put the report together, so Mr Bennett, provided more information via email, saying he followed up the FDRI president in January 2019 but received no reply, and he thought FDRI decided not to implement his recommendations. He also said, 
I haven't followed it up, as they clearly didn't agree with what I wrote, or probably more likely, what I suggested was going to be too much work for their liking. And I could just feel his frustration that he's yeah, like, yeah. asked to provide this report, did so, and they've done nothing at all. Yeah, and he's yeah. followed them up, and they've still done nothing. And he's being contacted again about his report. It's like, I've already... Yeah, he's provided his duty of, like, I submitted it. Mm. But then I also followed up to see whether they were going to implement it. And they still elected not to. So at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> Bye. And he keeps getting roped into it. At the inquest, the coroner was unable to find out if that spectator meeting even happened. And there was no evidence of any decisions to mitigate spectator risk. And then I feel like 2020 threw everything off. And then by 2021, they've just forgotten all problems. After the 2019 race, the chief steward prepared a report which was given to a few employees in CAMS. So his findings were... The event was largely under the control of the FDRI president, who didn't seem to be CAMS licensed and who should not be appointed again as race director. (laughs) Sorry, I know know that he was, though. Mm -hmm. Anyway, go on. Until CAMS was satisfied that he meets the standard CAMS would require of such a person in charge of a high-risk event. The CAMS clerk, of course, did not seem to have a direct control over the conduct of the event. A recommendation that there be two assistant clerks, of course, positions that didn't exist for the 2019 race. That there was no critical incident plan. That spectator safety was a major concern. And so an example of this was a family who had camped in the fork of the track. What? Mm -hmm. An area that definitely fit the description of a no-go zone. Yeah. The family refused to move and it was reported to the race organisers who said that they had no power over spectators on the track. Which, like, if, the, if that was a private property, they probably didn't. Mm. It, the committee explained to him that they could only control the area around the start of the track at Alice and the finish area at Fink, and the rest is up to the Northern Territory Police. So they're essentially putting it back on the Northern Territory Police, saying, well, we can't control them. Like, we can't make them move. Only the police can do that. Surely you have to have some kind of regulation because, like, they're using roads that, like, other people have to be on then. Yeah, and so whatever roads they were driving on were obviously closed to any other traffic. So who's responsible for, like, closure and stuff like that? I assume it would be the event organisers as a whole who would be responsible for that in coordination with the police. Whoever's responsible for being able to close a road, therefore, has to be responsible for management around the roads. Yes. Can't be entirely on the police. The organisers have instigated this in some way. Yeah. So you can't then just tap out and be like, no, not our responsibility or not at all related to us in any way. Yeah. There was also an incident where a buggy left the track, ran over two tracks and landed in the fork of a tree. Oh. A short time earlier, there had been two young people on those tracks, which were flattened. Very much a close call in that case. And a number of competitors expressed concerns about how close to the track spectators were and that they wanted the spectators in safer positions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As competitors, you would be not on board with how close yeah, they could get. Like, From a purely selfish perspective, it's going to slow you down. Yeah. yeah. If you're concerned about hitting people yeah. as you're driving, you are not going to be going as fast. Yeah. This report was given to senior members of CAMS, but there's no evidence of anything being actually done about it, as is a recurring theme. <laughs> Yes. Then did the director become CAMS qualified as mentioned by them? They never mentioned that. Mentioned okay, that. so let's assume no. On the 6th of April 2020, Mr. Bennett emailed two Motorsport Australia employees who were part of the safety team. When referring to his 2018 report, he said, 
My review document pretty much spelt out what I consider the risks to be and potential methods to address these. Is that the direction you'd like us to head? Were you looking for something different? What I'd like now is some indication from you as to the desired outcome from our perspective. He is still quite upset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's not okay with this. Yeah. One of the employees emailed him back suggesting a meeting, but there's no evidence that that meeting actually happened. Man, he would have been so frustrated. Mm -hmm. And it continues. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So six weeks later, on the 13th of May 2020, Mr. Bennett emailed the FDRI president, referred to his 2018 report and asked whether anything had been implemented and whether they needed any assistance. He also said that with just over a year until the next race, they felt it was a good time to get the ball rolling. It's going to take so long. Yeah, it takes a while to organise. There's no evidence that there was any response to this email or any action taken. As is becoming a theme. But, like, credit to this guy. He's been following him up for two years. Yeah. He's like, hey, do we want to – should we do something? I'd really like to do something. Mm. So spectator safety wasn't discussed again until the 21st of May 2020 when a Motorsport Australia employee reported to another employee about another event but also mentioned Fink and reiterated his concerns that spectator intrusion onto the track at Fink, which is very difficult to police. A few weeks later on the first day of the 2021 Fink race, that second employee forwarded this to the Director of Motorsport and Commercial Operations. By then, it's already the day one of the race. Yeah, and so the next like, day is change? when Nigel died. So there were obviously rules that the Fink race had to follow since it was sanctioned by Motorsport Australia. So with regards to spectator safety, the regulations stated, when spectator attendance can be expected, it is the organiser's responsibility to provide safe viewing facilities. All events must comply with the Motorsport Australia off-road spectator safety procedures. For certain events, Motorsport Australia may require the appointment to the organising committee of a person with responsibility for spectator control, like that is your only responsibility. And every spectator point must be manned by clearly identified spectator marshals who must work under the direction of a senior marshal. Areas in which spectators are prohibited must be clearly identified. So these are all rules that they should have been following the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For it to be a sanctioned event. And it's frustrating that therefore it continued to be a sanctioned event. Exactly. Even though that was not compliant. So these public safety and control procedures, prior to Fink 2018, there were no publicly available guidelines for spectator control or safety for event organisers within the off-road discipline. The concern was raised and discussed post-Fink 2018, which led to the publishing of the document Public Safety and Control Procedures for Off-Road. Essentially, the document covers key information, templates for event organisers, diagrams of no-standing areas, and public viewpoints. Section 7, Spectator Control Marshals, briefly covers how spectator points should be managed. However, Fink's distance presented additional challenges with how to implement that. Public viewpoints are an attempt to encourage spectators to use these areas where their safety can be controlled and monitored. A joint institutional response from Motorsport Australia and FDRI provided to the inquest claimed that the public safety and control procedures did not apply to the Fink race in 2021, which the coroner said was false. Agreed. (laughs) They're like, our defence is they didn't apply to us. Oh, okay, because I'm like... I think they just said, no, they didn't apply. In what way did they not apply? (laughs) Clearly the coroner said, "Mm, no, I think they do apply. (laughs) 
So for the 2021 race, the position of chief spectator marshal was left unfilled. Yes. And they did not make any provision for the appointment of spectator safety marshals. Oh, so they were just going to have a chief that was just patrolling the 250 kilometres? Yeah, by himself. So despite this, Motorsport Australia sanctioned the event. Yeah. Going directly against the rules that they already had in place. So again, I'm assuming you're going to go into this, but like, do therefore they get penalised as well? Nope. Oh, that's annoying. So it seems that the FDRI president was happy for spectators to manage their own safety. Have you met people? <laughs> exactly. Especially a group of people. They're all trying to get a good view. Yeah. And like that, that crowd momentum. So like mm. one person takes a step forward, which means exactly. everyone else takes a step forward. Yeah. And then someone else takes a step forward, which means everyone else takes a step forward. Yep. And all of a sudden you're in the middle of the track. Yeah. Like, and you just get caught up in the moment. You need yep. other uh, reminders and like advice. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. So now we'll go through what safety measures were actually in place for the 2021 race. Oh, is this mm. a long list or a... Eh, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> the safety planning relied heavily on safety messages being received, understood and accurately applied by spectators. Their safety campaign included stay back from the track, don't stand on the outside of corners, you can't steer when you're flying... which i thought was a good one that is interesting (laughs) look out for your mates because it's your responsibility to look after your friends speed of 200 kilometers per hour or 55 meters per second and you wouldn't camp on the edge of a highway don't camp on the edge of a racetrack we're in the fork of the track safety warnings were placed on the fink website fink desert race official program and Z cards which i think were just like leaflets essentially that they handed out yeah okay yeah on signs at the entrance to the start finish line at key spectator sites and on the public television screen at the start and finish line the inquest did also have a picture of the standard warning at the entrance to it yeah but like was that at the start line yeah i think it was when you yeah when you entered but it's contingent on you being at the start finish line yeah what if you're coming from 100 kilometers away were you going back through the start line to come back to where you were Unsafe areas were identified in the official program and on Z cards using a diagram showing some aspects of the track with yellow shading around the track and red hatching on some parts of the yellow shading. So it's like, here's a left-hand corner yeah, and there's some of it that's red hatched and then there's some of the red hatch that also has yellow shading. But it wasn't made clear whether it was the whole yellow area or just the red hatched areas that were unsafe. Right. There was no no legend. legend. Yeah, okay. That's unhelpful. Mm. There was no track signage to identify dangerous areas for spectators and they were not marked on the track map. Mm -hmm. Mm. Nigel had a copy of the official program, so he probably had some exposure to the safety messaging. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the spectator who was injured in the accident had no awareness of the safety messaging. Oh, okay. Yeah, like he said that he did have one of the official programs that he looked at after the accident yeah okay. and was like oh yeah there's some safety information in there but he didn't read it before i yeah. probably shouldn't have been standing here yeah yeah Whoops. right that spectator also said that he was in that location because there were other people already there so he thought it was was a good spot and probably assumed it was a safe place to be crowd mentality yep there were actually two FDRI volunteers sitting in a sweep vehicle at the top of the 35-kilometre sand dune, about 30 to 40 metres away from the accident. 
Their role was to check the track from the 30-kilometre mark to the finish line for safety issues after the last car had gone through and before the motorcycle started. Yeah. They were not safety marshals and had received no safety marshal training or any training on how to deal with spectators. Mm. There was no evidence that Nigel or the other injured spectator was spoken to by these volunteers about their location. And this, the inquest sort of went into the fact that chances are Nigel and the others probably would have listened if someone official had come up to them and said, you need to move back. Yeah. But they were never approached by anyone. And like, you know, how hard is it if you've got any kind of volunteers to just give them a brief, like, well, wherever you are, like maybe just, this is some safety stuff mm. you can implement if you happen to be there. Yeah. You know, if you see something that you think is unsafe. Yeah. But also not even like if you think these are the kinds of situations, if you yeah. see, because the, the volunteers may not necessarily have a great, understanding of what is safe so they need a little bit of education around what is or isn't safe and then if you see it do this and and empowering them to do it because i guess if they're volunteers they may not have felt they could have yeah and yeah if they've received no Mm. training they're like well my role is to check to do this yeah in the final stewards report of the 2021 race it stated competitors reported that there were numerous instances of spectators being in extremely high risk positions yeah On the 19th of June 2021, the author of that report emailed another Motorsport Australia employee a proposal for improving safety at Fink Desert Race, which stated, The control of the track and spectators is as noted in previous reports, and there were serious deficiencies as to who has responsibility for those spectators, which increases the risk for everyone and needs to be enhanced and authority established to control spectators entering the track. He made recommendations about safety, and they were legislation to declare the track and surrounds a controlled site for 14 days prior to the Friday commencement and for five days after. Wow, that's a Mm. reasonable duration. Yeah. The track surrounds to be declared 100 metres either side of the track to enable greater controls of spectators. That as part of the legislation, designated spectator areas be determined, marked and secured prior to the event and publicised well prior to the event. Yeah, I would have thought like with such a vast length of track like mm. or, or race or whatever. Yeah, just say detailing you may observe from this, this and this location it makes that control so much easier. It still risks people going to the wrong spots because they've mm. not read the information or because they want to break the rules or whatever. But yeah. at least you try to get majority of the people doing the right thing in those right locations and it might be at like cool corners where you are getting to see you know good action of the race but where there are people there to make sure you're in a safe spot yeah but you're far enough away from that action authority be given to police and designated officials to control competitor and spectator activity including the ability to move on persons in unsafe areas the resource necessary to maintain constant surveillance of the fink track be provided So two helicopters and long-range drones with high-resolution video cameras with video relayed back to race control. Wow. Cool. Mm. Fun. Approximately 40 boundary riders with two-way radios who can be rapidly deployed to sites where spectators are in risky positions with the authority to move spectators on and cameras to capture the faces of spectators who do not comply. What are you going to do with that footage? Your face is captured. Ban them? Yeah, just be like, report them <laughs> to the, the race, being like, you cannot not yeah. permit it at this race anymore. I'm going to yeah, put your face on the, the yeah, board at the front. The entrance, they'll have their faces the pinned up there. Board. If you see this person, tell them to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> They're not welcome here. Yeah. 
After the 2021 race, a governance committee was established with members of Motorsport Australia, FDRI and Motorcycle Australia to be responsible for updating and improving the spectator management plan for 2022. In May 2022, an information paper for the Risk and Safety Committee was prepared, which stated key inclusions for the 2022 spectator management plan, including designated spectator zones set up and managed by spectator marshals. There were some significant changes to the plan since 2021, for example, roving safety marshals, improved signage, and a recommendation to spectators that they stand 20 metres back from the track and camp 30 metres from the track. Despite these changes, there was still a member of Motorsport Australia Risk and Safety Committee who was concerned about the plan, saying it was not a safety plan of substance. It does not stack up. Maybe parts of it are missing from what was sent to us. Oh. 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 Harsh. I'm like, okay. But yet you still sanctioned the event. (laughs) You sanctioned it to go ahead. You can't say that. And then be like, but it's fine. You can still run it. Yeah. You just, you say, no, you cannot run this event until you do send us all of the information or whatever. But again, that was one single person. (laughs) Yes, it was a single person. Yeah. They also referenced items like a list of spectator marshals, a detailed diagram of no-go areas, and a setup schedule for the fencing and a signage schedule as well that they essentially wanted to see. The Motorsport Australia Risk and Safety Committee held a meeting a few days later, but there was no record of what issues were discussed or how they would be addressed. Do they not understand minutes of meetings? Apparently not. No. <laughs> okay. All right. On the 27th of May 2022, the FDRI president was requested to send a map of the designated spectator zones and the number of volunteers recruited as spectator marshals. He responded by saying that they had recruited eight to ten marshals and hoped to recruit more. Fingers crossed. Didn't they want 40? Yeah, someone's recommendation was the 40 boundary riders. Right. With the radios who could move people on. Okay. This is like, yeah, spectator marshals. Yep. As to designated spectator areas, he said, as with previous years, we aren't having designated spectator zones other than the start line in Alice Springs and that it is impractical to have designated spectator zones along the track. Wait, didn't their safety plan say that they would? Mm Mm-hmm. So despite all of that, Motorsport Australia allowed the 2022 race to proceed. Ugh. So they learnt nothing and did Did a few things. They did a few things. They hired eight to ten people. They got eight to ten volunteers. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't pay them. They enlisted eight to ten volunteers, which were probably volunteers that they've volunteered every year, but they just gave them a different title this year. Yeah. And happy days. Yep. Ugh. The coroner found that the bunting at the 35-kilometre dune was not in accordance with the FIA rally safety guidelines, as recommended by Reliance Risk, and was inadequate to reflect the dangers of the location. In fact, its placement may have misled Nigel and other spectators to assume that the location they chose beyond the bunting was not an unsafe area. Yeah. yeah. Because the bunting had ended. The bunting is where you're yeah. not meant to be. Right. So, But realistically, it was just they didn't have that much bunting, so it's put out like some... They just ran out of bunting. <laughs> yep. It was the coroner's opinion that the 35-kilometre sand dune should have been a designated public viewing point with all of the safety features that that needed in the, the green bunting to show this is a designated area far enough back from the track. You're only allowed in the green area. So it was fine for people to watch there. Yeah, but fine they for people to watch okay. there, but from an appropriate location. Yeah. Yeah, because probably would have been one of the highlights of the track. Right? Yeah, like yeah. that's the reason why there were a whole bunch of people yeah. there is because it's a good place to be. 
At the time of the inquest, although there were many recommendations made by many different people, none of them were implemented. And the coroner couldn't find any good reason why they hadn't been. Mm. That's not what you want to hear. Yeah. No. Is the director still the director? I think as of 2023, he is. See, this is the thing, like... Why does this director still exist if he's not doing, not directing the organization in a way that is encouraging good practice and good behavior, such as making sure that the spectators are safe? I don't want to harp on like one particular person, but like if you're the director of this organization, Mm. you need to be putting more pressure on that being a priority. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, now a solid five years since there's been concerns. Mm. or enough concerns that you directly were aware of it because that report made it directly to you and there's evidence of that yeah and so if you didn't read it that makes you negligent yep and if you didn't do anything about it if you're pretending like you're unaware of it that makes you negligent but we also know you must be and now and now there's also been a death yeah that like can directly relate to said report yeah that to me makes no sense that that director should still be there yeah if this was a more public company, like mm. oh, if there was yeah. a bigger organization, that director would not still be Absolutely. there. Absolutely. So the coroner's recommendations, I've distilled them into two. The government department responsible for making recommendations to the minister prior to the granting of the approval for the race ensure that adequate spectator safety measures have been implemented prior to the granting of any approvals. And that this government department also receive from the race organizers a comprehensive spectator management plan that sufficiently, adequately, and appropriately mitigates the risk to spectators posed by the race. And I've just had a look. So this inquest only came out very recently. Yeah, it would Like have. in the last couple of weeks. And the 2023 Fink race went ahead. Oh, yeah, right. In uh, June, basically. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I'm just reading a news article that said that they apparently came very close to saying that it wasn't going to be a car event, that it would just be the motorbike portion of the race going Because ahead. of safety? Yes. Yeah, right. But, and this is a quote. But with the support of the Northern Territory government, we've been able to collectively negotiate our way out of it. Mm. <laughs> oh, wait, what? That's not... No, <laughs> with the support of the government, we've implemented better changes so that this is a safe event. That's not what he said. <laughs> It does say, following the inquest, further work has been undertaken to improve safety. But the National Motorsport Regulator only issued a permit for the car section of the race on Friday morning, which was the Friday before it went ahead Ahead. on the weekend. Wow. This is from the Fink Desert Race website Mm. that says, under personal safety, the biggest risk to the Fink Desert Race is a spectator being injured or worse. Don't forget that the competitors are concentrating on racing. They are not looking for you, your kids, or your dog. Please always stand back from the track and never stand on the outside of corners. Nothing about, we are concerned for your safety and would like you to be safe. No, you better not jeopardize this race. (laughs) You better not jeopardize your own safety. Yep. Interestingly, on their website as well, they've changed the distance back from the track to 30 meters Oh, well, that's So good. I think the previous year it had been like, don't stand 20 metres, but now it's yeah, 30 metres. But again, that's literally just words on a website. Yeah, and it's very person accountability rather yes. than organisation accountability. Yeah, absolutely. Which if you're running this, I think that there should be – I mean, ideally people should be accountable for their own actions in a sense of well, safety. Kind of have but, to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but like, you know, again, thinking about what where might be safe to stand – 
Yeah. But at the same time, again, if you're unaware of the risks and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I've just got two more things that were actually not, they were just interesting things about this inquest Please. in particular. So although that joint institutional response for Motorsport Australia and FDRI was provided to the inquest, the coroner believed that there was more to the story, so requested additional documents. Interesting. 1,800 extra documents were provided, which were not sorted or in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is definitely a delay tactic. Yeah. So council assisting had to go through all of them to figure out which ones were relevant. Yeah, right. And which ones weren't. And the coroner was essentially like, we may have missed something because, because of the sheer volume of what we had to go through and sort yeah, through. Yeah, right. So I, I don't think the coroner was particularly happy. Or impressed. Yeah. Oh, that's just such a waste of court's time. Yeah. Coroner's inquests already take years mm. to be released because of the sheer volume of work that they have. Yeah, and, like, this was a pretty quick one. It was only in essentially two years ago that the death happened. Yeah, wow. The other thing was almost all of the people called to give evidence from Motorsport Australia and Fink Desert Race Incorporated objected to giving evidence on the grounds their evidence may incriminate them in offences under the Work Health and Safety Mm. Act 2011. The coroner was asked to provide a certificate which would prevent any evidence given being used against the witness. And the coroner can give this when it appears expedient for the purposes of justice that the person be compelled to answer the question. And did the coroner grant it? He declined all of those certificates except one. Interesting. It compelled them to give evidence except for one person or... He didn't compel anyone except for one single individual. it was... Oh, he was asked to give a certificate to say that if any evidence given wouldn't be used against yeah. them and he didn't give those. So essentially... Yeah. He just let them all say nothing. Or say what they yeah, yeah. wanted to say. Yeah, he didn't compel anyone to... Except for one individual that he did compel. Well, yes, correct. Yeah. But in the instance that they weren't going to... They couldn't yeah, they use couldn't, that against yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there any recommendation to work health and safety to investigate like i wonder if there's an like it's not in the recommendation but i wonder if that therefore triggers work health and safety to be like hmm yeah potentially Mm. yeah i don't know how quickly work health and safety look into other investigations or how that like all is intertwined wonder what regulation they're all nervous about but obviously they'd all clearly discussed with each other if they're all coming into it and they'd probably gotten legal advice as well beforehand organizational legal team that therefore is just saying don't say anything. Yeah, essentially. Uh, I mean, we do this because we want to discuss the ways that as a society we can improve risks as a whole rather than to a specific individual. Yeah. And so to think that there's a team of people collaborating to prevent safety is frustrating. Mm. Sort of blows my mind that though it's been years of recommendations by various yeah. people, near misses competitors being concerned about spectator safety and yet nothing has been like even after this yeah why are they resisting so hard still not improving that much yeah and i mean the coroner put it that like there was no reason why yeah nothing had been done nothing had been done so it's just kind of baffling and then the motorsport australia continues to sanction the event yeah but like clearly there's I would assume there's money involved because, like, they've got major sponsors. Yeah. I was looking at the prize money this year for the winner, I think, of the car category or whatever was $10,000. Yeah, yeah right. it's not insignificant. So, again, it, 
it would be hard. It's a very long distance. Yeah. Mm. It wouldn't be an easy thing to do. But I certainly think that there are small things that could be done. Yeah. Even to like small steps forward. And yet they're still resistant to that. Also in this news article, they're talking about they've got that minimum 30 meter setback from the track, which I don't know that that's necessarily strict. Yeah, they tell them to do it, but is there any bunting? Who knows? As well as added spectator exclusion zones and off-limit zones at high-risk areas. So potentially there is some bunting and or people there. Slightly better. Okay. And the president said the organizing committee had gone to great lengths to ramp up safety. Mm. There'll be a significant number of people that will be displaced from where they've been in previous years. The language that gets used. It's not positive, is it? It's not displaced. Yeah. Stop. We're, we're doing this, but like... We're doing this because we have to. But yeah, we're yeah. a bit disgruntled. And... They're basically like, oh, this guy died and now we have to do all this sh-. So it's just one of those ones Ugh. that I read and was very frustrated. And I feel for Mr. Bennett, whose report was continually ignored yeah. since 2018, despite him following up for many years. <laughs> and then having to come to this inquest and being like, yes. hey, yep. I told them here and I told them here yeah, and I told them here. here is my evidence of all of the things. Yep. That is very mm. frustrating. Hopefully there's no more deaths and also hopefully... 2024 race, are we going and just picketing at the front being like... <laughs> oh, no. Maybe they'll get a new president. Let's hope. Doesn't seem like it. No, it's been in there for a long time. New director or new like person with some authority... Could lead to a whole different scenario. Or even just Motorsport Australia not giving, and the government not giving them the go-ahead. Yeah. I assume that there's a proportion of people who would come into the area and therefore be spending money in the area that they wouldn't want to lose. Yeah, absolutely. And they probably can actually have an idea based on 2020 being cancelled. Yeah, pros and what cons to, to COVID yeah. is that like you actually see the impact of the event not being held mm, yeah. has that there would be a strong incentive as to why it needs to go ahead. But, yeah, it's tough. Do better. Mm. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will catch you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.